We're continuing to look in the book of Deuteronomy this morning as we look at that question, what does God want? And we're going to be looking today in Deuteronomy 24. We'll start with the 17th verse and then look at some verses following. Today as we celebrate Father's Day, that's an exciting day. We do want to pay tribute to those men of God who so graciously and generously have given of their uh, experiences, their hearts and their lives into our families. I want to give you a few quotes about fathers this morning as we celebrate Father's Day. This is from Ken Norton Jr. You may remember him as a former heavyweight boxing champion. He said, of all the titles I've been privileged to have, dad has always been the best. That's a good one. From Jim Valvano, basketball coach at North Carolina State University, he said, My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. He believed in me. From Mark Twain, the author, he he wrote, uh, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. I think we understand that those teenage years can be a little rocky. And all of a sudden, our parents get all kinds of smart. That's an amazing thing. From Charles Kettering, you may not recognize that name, but I guarantee you used his invention as you came this morning. Among many other things, he invented the electronic start for an automobile. He said, every father should remember that one day... His son will follow his example, not his advice. That's good advice, as a matter of fact. And finally, from Billy Graham, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. Today we honor our fathers, those of you that are here and others that are watching online. We say thank you. We also recognize that for some folks, Father's Day is a difficult day. Uh, maybe you recently lost your father. Maybe he's gone on to be with the Lord. Maybe your father wasn't all that he should have been. Uh, maybe your father was absent entirely from your life. I, I have a pastor friend who regularly preaches for a service that is directed toward uh, the homeless population in his area. And, uh, they sang the, the praise song, Good, Good Father, just before the sermon. And so he, he got up and he was beginning to preach. And he said, well, I just want to ask something. He, he asked them how many of those present either did not know who their father was or their father was not uh, present in their life growing up. He said that of that group of homeless people, three-fourths of them raised their hand to say, my, my dad wasn't all that maybe he should have been. Wherever you are today, whether you were blessed with a Christian father in your home, whether you had an absent father, whether you had a difficult relationship with your father, you can take heart this morning, wherever you are on that spectrum. The Bible has words of comfort and wisdom that point us to our heavenly Father. Here in Deuteronomy 24, Moses tells the people of Israel, for those who who don't have a father, for those whose father is absent in their life, we have a responsibility to them. And here's how God described it to the people of Israel in, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 17. Do not deprive the alien or the fatherless of justice. Or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. 
That is why I command you to do this. One thing that God wants is for all of us to live our lives in a real understanding of what your heavenly Father has given you. When we understand that, we will understand how much our Heavenly Father has blessed us. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to recognize that we have a responsibility for caring for the weak because our Heavenly Father has cared for us. Like all societies, the nation of Israel had what might be called the haves and the have-nots, those who were wealthy and those who were struggling. In the Old Testament world, there were groups of people that were truly disadvantaged. And God named some of them here in Deuteronomy chapter 24. Those who were widows, those who were fatherless, had it especially rough. The Old Testament world did not have some of the security nets that that our world affords. and, And quite frankly, even in our societies today, some of those security nets don't work quite as effectively as we wish that they did. But in the Old Testament world, the fatherless and the widows literally were on their own. They had very little way of finding employment. They had very little way of finding any kind of an income. They had to depend upon others literally to eat. So through Moses, God gives the people of Israel clear instructions. That they are responsible for taking care of these who are disadvantaged. First, he describes the outsider, the alien, the one who was not a part of the nation of Israel, but was living within the nation of Israel. Then the widow and the fatherless, the orphan. And the command is first given in a negative way. It says, do not deprive the alien or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of a widow as a pledge. Unfortunately, in the Old Testament world, some of the laws, not God's laws, not biblical laws, but the laws that were made by by nations and by uh, man, unfortunately, many of those laws really boiled down to one statement. Whoever has the power makes the rules. You had to do whatever the king said. You had to do whatever the authority in, in your village, in your area, whatever they said you had to do. That's just the way it was. And if you were rich, if you were well connected to those, then you usually got along pretty well. But for those who had nothing, for those who were oppressed, for those who were poor, for the widow, for the fatherless, for the outsider, they had no way to fight back. The the rich and powerful could literally come in and take even the little that they had, and they had no way to change it. That was especially true for the widows and orphans. In in the Old Testament society, the power was focused upon a a male-dominated society. So when there was a widow, she had nowhere to turn. She had to depend upon her family or or maybe a few friends that would have compassion on her to help her, even in feeding her children. And then there were those horrible times When the rich and powerful would come in and take even the cloak, even the the one coat, the, the one 
item of warmth and protection that the widow still had. They would say, well, I'd give you some food if you'll just let me have your cloak. And she would have to give up the one possession that she still had in order to survive. And so Moses begins this command with this negative to not do that, to not take away the little that even the oppressed have. And the reasoning was simple. Now remember who who Moses is, is saying these words to. He is talking to the nation of Israel who has been going through the wilderness. They are coming to the point where they're going to be able to enter into the promised land. They're not rich. They had just a few weeks before this been slaves in Egypt. They had nothing. They knew what it was to be oppressed. They knew what it was for the rich and powerful to take even the little that they had. And then God had delivered them out of that. And so Moses says, remember, there in verse 18, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That's why I command you to do this and the this being to take care of the outsiders, the widows, and the fatherless. We take care of those who need care because once we needed care and God took care of us. On this Father's Day, we celebrate those dads who were there for us. Those dads who fixed our broken bicycle and then taught us how to ride it. Those dads who worked all day long, but then they'd get home and they, they still had enough energy to go out in the backyard and play catch. Those dads who came and picked us up when that car we bought for $150 broke down the first time we took it out for a drive. And they didn't even tell you, tell us, I told you that's a piece of junk when you bought it. <laughs> we celebrate our dads today. And we realize it's our turn now. Even for those of us who, who may not have had a human father who was there for us, or maybe didn't have a human father that was everything that they should have been, even we understand we have a heavenly father who has blessed us in abundance. And we have the perfect example in him that we are to care for others because he has cared for us. That's a tall order. But it makes sense. Your Heavenly Father blesses you, not so you can be comfortable. God blesses us so that we might be a blessing to others. God not only gave the Israelites this command, and again, it's a tall order. He is saying to them, you love other people in the same way that I have loved you. You bless other people in the same way that I have blessed you. You do this because I have done that for you. That's a tall order. That's a big command. That was going to be hard for them to do. But God doesn't just give us commands. He not only provides the command but he also tells us the way to keep it. And, and that happens in this passage as well. Verse 19. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. 
Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hands. God was about to bring the nation of Israel into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he, in miraculous ways, was going to give them this land. And they were going to be able to settle there as a people and begin to to farm the land, to grow great harvests, more than they even would ever need. And as they would harvest that grain, God says, you'll be going through gathering the grain and every now and then you're going to drop some of it or every now and then you're going to miss a stalk or two. Don't go back and get that. Invite the outsider, the fatherless, the widow to come into your field after you've taken your harvest and and gather up that that's left over. There's plenty for you. You don't have to be greedy and and go back what you left it there. The harvest that you gathered is more than enough for you and your family. So so let them have that grain. And that would do two things. It not only would provide for their need, but it also would give them a, a sense of responsibility, a sense of ownership, as they would gather up the grain for their family. Now, the Bible gives us a wonderful example of how this worked. In the book of Ruth, you remember that story? Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, their husbands had died. And and as I've already explained, that was a a terrible situation in in the the Old Testament world. They they had nobody. They had no way to support themselves. It was so bad that Naomi told her her daughter-in-law, Ruth, go back to your family. Go back to your country. Go back to your land. There maybe you'll find somebody that can care for you because I can't give you anything. And Ruth had said, no, Naomi, I'm staying with you. You don't have anybody to help you, so I'm going to stay with you. We'll do what we can to get by. And then, as you remember that story, Ruth goes to the field of of Boaz. And Boaz follows this policy that was laid out all the way back in Deuteronomy, generations before. And as his men were were harvesting his field, he he says, hey, don't pick up the extra stuff. You you let them come in. In fact, he says, hey, drop a little bit extra. So they can have plenty. Now that wasn't just a nice story. It was. Here here Boaz was was following God's command. And and he was doing the things that God told him to do. And that way uh, Naomi and Ruth had what they needed. That's a great story. But there's way more going on in the book of Ruth. Because you know the rest of the story. Ruth winds up becoming Boaz's wife. And they have some children who had some children who had some children who had some children who eventually had a little boy named David who had become the king of Israel. But even that's not the end of the story. Because David would have some children who had some children who had some children who had some children all the way until the lineage winds up in the New Testament. And the Messiah is born. So see, not only was, was this law that was, was put into place, this commandment that was put into place, not only was it helping people all the way back into Deuteronomy and then all those generations through, right to the time of, of Boaz and Ruth, and it continues to help people, but that's not all it was doing. God was working out His plan to bring the Messiah into the world. God concludes His command to the Israelites, this command to care for those in need with this final reminder of a reason why. He actually repeats what he 
said back up in verse 18. He says in verse 22, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Their, their memories of how God had delivered them. And again, remember, Moses is saying this to the people that God had delivered. He says, remember, you used to be slaves. You used to have nothing. And now you're going in the promised land. You're going to have everything in abundance. But as you have everything in abundance, as God blesses you, don't you forget where you came from. Don't you forget that during that time as a slave in Egypt, God delivered you. And because God did that for you, you need to care for those around you as well. Well, that's not just for the nation of Israel. It's for us too. In the New Testament, book of Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 32, the Bible says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Those of us who are blessed with Christian parents know the truth of the quote that I read a minute ago from Charles Kettering. Every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. We know what a blessing it was to to have parents who who not only told us what to do, but showed it to us in the way that they live so that now we can live in their example. Whether we had those good examples in life or whether we didn't, we still have the perfect example in Jesus. We can know how it is we are to live By looking at how he lived. We can seek to serve those around us because he has given the greatest sacrifice of all for us. So this Father's Day, look to the example of your heavenly Father. Take what He has given to you, the blessings He's bestowed into your life, and use those to bless someone else. Remember. Remember how God has forgiven you. And forgive somebody else. Remember. Remember how God has blessed you. Seek to be a blessing. To someone else. You give thanks for what God has done for you. Be the reason someone else gives thanks to God as He uses you to bless their life. Remember what God, your Heavenly Father, has done for you. And seek To bless others. Because of Him. Heavenly Father, what an extraordinary privilege it is to call you by that name. To call you Father. And on this day when we celebrate our earthly fathers, we, we are reminded that you are our Heavenly Father. For that we give you thanks. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to remember the blessings you bestow upon our life are not just to make us comfortable, 
They're to give us opportunity to be a blessing to others. So help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Help us to bless others as you have blessed us. Help us to be that reason they give thanks to you. Because you use us to bless them. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and and as you think about that that title, Heavenly Father, you're thinking to yourself, wow. I mean, I've heard that. I've heard people call God Father. Could that be true for me? Could God be my Father? Maybe somewhere in the back of your mind there's rolling around a dark thought that you're thinking, there's no way God would let me in His family. You don't know the mess that I've made. You don't know the stuff that I've done. You don't know the things, the burdens that I I carry. There's no way God would let me in the door of His household with all of that. Here's the incredible, amazing, biblical truth. God wants you in His family. He loved you so much that He took all that mess, all that junk, all those burdens, and He placed them on His Son at Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, He took all of that junk and washed it all away. And this morning, you can know your Heavenly Father. Not not because anything you've done, not because you can can find a way to make yourself right with God, because none of us can do that, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and because He lives. We can have a personal, abiding, eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we want to share that with you this morning. Now, we're not able to do the invitation quite the way that we normally do that. Usually we invite people to come up here and then we sit down and and share with them from the Scripture. We'd like to do that. We look forward to the day when we're going to be able to do that again, but we're just not able to do that right now with the social distancing. But we do want to share the extraordinary message of Jesus with you today. And so what we'd like to ask you to do, if that's something that's on your heart, if you're saying, boy, that's what I need in my life, I want to know my Heavenly Father. How does that work? There in the pew racks before you, there are some cards. If you'll just take one of those, write your name and contact information, we'll get in touch with you this week and we'll share with you this amazing message of the grace you can find in Jesus. We, we want to tell you about that. So just, if you just do that, just, just indicate how we can get in touch with you. And then as you exit, you'll see some baskets at the doors. Just drop those in there. We'll be glad to contact you and let you know just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. Or maybe there's another way that God's speaking to you today. Maybe you're wondering, well, how can I be a part of National Heights? I'm excited about what God's doing there, and I want to be a part of this. How do I do that? Well, we'd be glad to share with you how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. Again, just give us some contact information. We'll be glad to do that. Maybe you're watching us online, and you're wondering about some of these questions. How do I accept Christ as Savior? How do I... Be a part of what God's doing at your church. If you'll just email us, nhbc at nationalheights.org. Just send an email to us. We'll get in touch with you. and We'd love to pray with you and talk with you about what the Bible says. 
for you. So we encourage you to do that today. Maybe today there's another way that God's speaking to you. Maybe you just want to rejoice and, and, and just give praise to your Heavenly Father this morning. We invite you to do that. Or, or, or maybe there's someone that you want to lift to your Heavenly Father. That, that's the incredible thing. You know, I can remember going to my, my earthly father with some of the problems I had in life, some things going on in my life, and just sit down and just talk. And that's some of the special moments in my life of, of remembering being able to do that. Hey, you can do that with your heavenly father. You can go right into his presence and say, Lord, I've got this situation in my life. How, how do I deal with this? Or, 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 Lord, I've got this friend who is sick. Can, can you help him, Lord? Or, you, you, can, you can do that with your heavenly father today. Maybe you want to do that even right now. We're going to be singing in just a moment, just as we sing. Maybe you just want to spend some time in prayer right there where you are. Spending a few moments with your Heavenly Father today. In whatever way it might be, we invite you to follow God's call in your life today.